Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Wednesday, May 17th, and we start, as always, with local news. A proposed 765-home planned unit development, which for more than a year has received criticism from local residents regarding its location off Trotwood Avenue in Columbia, has passed its first of two readings. The Columbia City Council adopted the proposed development earlier this month, which appeared under several ordinances regarding topics like annexation, rezoning, and preliminary design plans. This comes after many months of revisions, resubmittals, and several long discussions among city staff, the Municipal Planning Commission, and the Council. Although the current revisions differ greatly from the original proposal, which would have included more than 900 homes, residents, particularly those living in nearby Ashwood Manor, still believe the area is not ready for such a large-sized development. However, despite the ongoing concerns from citizens, some admit that the developer has been nothing but cordial when it comes to hearing and considering the public input. This was made evident by the multiple revisions to decrease the number of lots by more than 200, as well as dedicating more than half of the 415-acre property as open space. At the first meeting for this, I'll admit my desire was to have zero lots behind my home because of what the property taxes will be because of this development. Michael White, a nearby resident, said. But the developer has been nothing but professional. Along with other neighbors, I've met with them via Zoom, in person at City Hall, and even with residents at our neighborhood, he said. White added that the concerns currently regard potential traffic safety issues and that in addition to potentially adding hundreds of cars to Trotwood Avenue, one area he wishes changed is a proposed entrance off nearby Yateman Lane. Cheryl Hawley, another Ashwood Manor resident, requested additional buffering between her neighborhood and the new lots. She was also concerned about the additional traffic, especially during peak hours in the morning and afternoon, as well as school traffic. These people deserve a good quality of life, and this is not good quality of life, Hawley said. Sure, there are walking trails, a swimming pool, although one pool for 765 units isn't enough pool. This will be a burden on Trotwood and a burden on the old Zion community as a whole, she said. Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder spoke in support of the project and reminded citizens that it does include a 10-year build-out plan over multiple phases. This would not necessarily mean a thousand additional cars will be added to Trotwood Avenue and that things like the real estate market can change from year to year, meaning there is no guarantee that 765 homes will ultimately be built. This project has been in the works for quite some time, and one thing that I am proud about this project is how it has evolved over a period of time, Mulder said. I look at this project and see it lowering its density by over 200 units. That, in in a lot of ways, is paying for itself, he said. This is made possible through a new water and sewer impact fee, which Mulder said is estimated to generate more than $1 million from this project alone. This will help partially fund things like the city's wastewater treatment expansion project, as well as hiring additional city development staff. Prior to the vote, Mayor Mulder amended the ordinance regarding the proposed Yateman Lane entrance. The amendment would only allow construction of the entrance if 80% of Ashwood Manor collectively agree they want it. If it is accepted during the project's timeline, the developer would also fund the entrance. If there is a need for it after the project is complete, construction would have to be funded by the residents. The final vote was 5-1, to one, with Davina Hardison opposing. 
The second and final reading regarding the development will appear during the Council's June round of meetings. Yesterday, Hutton Family Dentistry held their grand opening. Our own Delk Kennedy stopped by the ribbon cutting and spoke to doctors Sam and Emily Hutton, the proprietors of the new facility on Hatcher Lane in Columbia. This is Delk Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. This afternoon, I'm at the grand opening and ribbon cutting for Hutton Family Dentistry's new location. It's just off Hatcher Lane, right here in downtown Columbia, Tennessee. I'm speaking with Dr. Sam Hutton and Dr. Emily Hutton. They are husband and wife, and they are Hutton Family Dentistry. Emily, tell me what you offer here. We do um, general dentistry. We see do a little bit of everything. Um, we see patients from 2 to 102 and try to offer pretty much any service that we can. So we see people for cleanings. We do fillings, crowns, sand places, implants. I do root canals. Like I said, we do a little bit of everything here. Dr. Sam Hutton, uh this new location is spacious, airy. It has a very comfortable feel to it. Are you excited about getting open here? Yes, sir, and I'm glad you noticed the, the feeling in the office. My wife and I were very intentional on making it as light, bright, and open as possible. I know it's still going to be a dental office. There's no way around that, but as much as possible, we wanted people to come in here and feel like they're at home rather than at a dental clinic. Thank you for noticing. There you go. Job done, I think. Okay, now there's got to be a story here. Now, did, did y'all meet in dental school? We did. Um, we we were a bit of a scandal in dental school. I'm a year older in school than Sam is. Um, so we started dating his third year of dental school and my fourth year of dental school. Um, and then we got married um, in... 2015, so Sam was just graduated dental school, and um, yeah, it's been wonderful. And I will say that um, I am a patient here, and my experience here has been fantastic. It just really has. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, Emily, you've changed a little bit since I last saw you. Uh, now, is this, are you expecting your first? This is actually our second. Um, our first little boy was born in December of 2020, and um, this little guy will be along hopefully early July. Um, and yeah, this is our second, and that's actually when Sam and I started practicing together was, <clears throat> excuse me, after I had our first, um, I was able to take some time off to be with my son, and Sam stepped in, and it's been wonderful ever since. Okay, Dr. Sam, what's it like working all day together with your wife? I no 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 pressure, no, no pressure. No, no, no. It's it's a pretty easy answer. I can be a handful. She's great. I'm the one that causes trauma. I am I'm 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 very much a prima donna when I put my mind to it. And so the fact that this beautiful woman puts up with me on a day-to-day basis is actually beyond my wildest understanding. So it's one of those things you just don't look the gift horse in the mouth, you know. So I'm, I'm very appreciative that she puts up with me, not the other way around. Okay, again, Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. I'm at the grand opening and ribbon cutting for Hutton Family Dentistry's uh, new location just off Hatcher Lane right here in Columbia. It's a wonderful, bright, airy, comfortable office. Dr. Sam Hutton and Dr. Emily Hutton, husband and wife, are the folks who will take care of you. Uh, Sam, congratulations. Thank you very much, Doug. Emily, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Murray Regional Medical Center cardiologist Dr. Jessica Joseph-Alexis has treated some of her patients for the post-COVID illness, post-orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, or POTS, a newer malady that seems to be affecting some almost as an aftershock to the body, many times following a bout of COVID-19. According to Joseph Alexis, who was a cardiology specialist at Vanderbilt Medical Center prior to her move to Murray Regional Medical Center, a person is five times more likely to develop POTS following a bout of COVID-19. She also said the condition primarily affects younger women following around with COVID-19. Still, the illness, she says, is not very common, as an article from National Institute of Health indicates that only 0.2% of the population has confirmed as POTS positive. As reported recently with the story of former Murray Regional radiology nurse Megan Heichelbeck, the illness is debilitating and produces many symptoms, according to Dr. Joseph Alexis, mimicking some other illnesses. Heichelbeck, after finding a correct diagnosis, left her full-time status with Murray Regional Medical Center to take a break and find proper time for healing and treatment for her illness. Just months ago, she published her faith-based journey about her experience to help others who are also walking the difficult road of POTS. Despite the confusing list of symptoms, one is common with all POTS patients, Joseph Alexis said. A rapid heart rate, typical of tachycardia, is a symptom that presents itself in all cases. For example, Heichelbeck's heart rate would reach as high as 160 beats per minute, going from standing to sitting. It is still unclear, Joseph Alexis said, exactly how POTS develops and so prominently in COVID-19 patients, but added that the COVID vaccine is being studied as a potential catalyst, though no link is confirmed yet. The disease is on the radar of the medical community now, however, as cases have been increasing. One of the first complaints and key indicators that usually brings POTS patients to the doctor is the heart rate increase and syncope, or feeling faint. Dr. Joseph Alexis said, which can result from moving around a lot or simply going from a sitting to a standing position. Medications for POTS address the symptoms individually, Joseph Alexis said, with exercise and diet factoring heavily into treatment as well. A couple of medications that Joseph Alexis said she considers are beta blockers and the category of antidepressants known as SSRIs. As in Heichelbeck's case, the tachycardia presents in patients who have had no prior cardiac issues. While Joseph Alexis said the illness is relatively new to the medical community, large research hospitals like Johns Hopkins Medical Center are in the process of collecting data and tracking cases. Joseph Alexis said it was an article from a study at the renowned hospital that was potentially tracking a small association with the COVID-19 vaccine. As for local cases, Dr. Joseph Alexis says there has been a slight trend upward in the number of cases since COVID has waned in its dominance within the population. Though we don't know the exact number, the numbers are going up, Joseph Alexis said. It's harder to confirm POTS with symptoms being so varied and nonspecific. Still, it's important to not dismiss noticeable patterns in your own health, she cautions. For example... Dr. Joseph Alexis said other key factors to watch for besides higher heart rates are weeks-long drops in blood pressure by at least 20 points and if someone is noticing some regular dehydration. The orthostatic vitals are what to pay most attention to, she says. These include your blood pressure, pulse, and related symptoms. The wait to confirm POTS may be the most difficult part, as these orthostatic vitals are measured for a three-month period before a positive diagnosis is confirmed. 
for many. The illness will demand the body not engage in much physical activity, will likely mean a period away from work and conditioning your body to the state that it is in, knowing limitations. What is the long-term outcome for POTS? It's hard to tell, Joseph Alexis said. We're still learning about this one as we go, she said. Another three years out, she said, it is hoped that more stable and consistent data will give better and more solid answers. Only time will tell, Dr. Joseph Alexis said. It is day by day. As for Heichelbeck, she is back to work at a smaller doctor's clinic in Columbia, though it is an adjustment from what she has been used to prior to the illness. What Heichelbeck does to cope lines up with Joseph Alexis's recommendations. Make sure to stay hydrated, eat plenty of meals, and incorporate a slow and cautious walking routine. Watch for overdoing the exercise, she said. In the meantime, doctors like Joseph Alexis did not take an alarmist tone, nor do they discount the debilitating symptoms. These symptoms are very real, she said. We want to make sure we do the best job we can to treat everyone experiencing this, she said. Columbia Main Street has been designated as an accredited Main Street America program for meeting rigorous performance standards. Each year, Main Street America and its partners announce the accredited programs to recognize their exceptional commitment to preservation-based economic development and community revitalization through the Main Street approach. Columbia Main Street's performance is measured annually by the City of Columbia and Columbia Main Street Corporation, which works in partnership with Main Street America to identify the local programs that meet national performance standards. To qualify for accreditation status, communities must meet a set of rigorous standards that include commitments to building grassroots revitalization programs, fostering strong public-private partnerships, nurturing economic opportunity for small businesses and entrepreneurs, and actively preserving historic places, spaces, and cultural assets. In 2022, our downtown saw over $5 million in private investment for our beloved buildings. We saw 17 new businesses, 120 new jobs, and over 200,000 in attendance for community-inspired events, said Kelly Mesmer-Johnson, the Columbia Main Street manager. Downtown Columbia is growing with new residents and visitors, bringing momentum and passion to our downtown events and projects. Plus, it's driving new commerce and building projects due to its popularity. Visitors and future residents who chose to travel to Columbia feel the energy and love of those that work to make this town great, she said. Columbia continues its tradition of excellence with its involvement with Main Street America, stated Columbia Main Street Board Chairman Monty Sneed. We were on the ground near the very beginning of the movement in the early 1980s. Columbia has benefited tremendously from our participation in the restoration of historic downtown. While much has been done, much remains to do, he said. In 2022, Main Street America programs generated $6.2 billion in local reinvestment, helped open 7,657 new businesses, facilitated the creation of 29,000 new jobs, catalyzed the rehabilitation of over 10,000 historic buildings, and leveraged 1.5 million volunteer hours. On average, for every dollar that a Main Street program spent to support its operations, it's generated $24 of new investment back into its downtown communities. Collectively, 2 million people live or work within the boundaries of a designated Main Street America district. An estimated workforce of 1.1 million people contributes their skills and expertise to advancing the missions of these historic downtowns and commercial corridors. We are very proud to acknowledge this year's 862 accredited Main Street program, Main Street America programs and their steadfast dedication to nurturing economically and culturally vibrant downtown districts, said Hannah White, interim president and CEO of Main Street America.
The increase in the size and impact of our network speaks volumes to the power of the Main Street movement to respond to the needs of local communities and drive innovative solutions, she said. Meredith's Toy Box is hosting its Barbies and Hot Wheels annual toy drive through May 31st, benefiting Kids Place, a child advocacy center, which services children and their families affected by abuse in Murray, Giles, Lawrence, and Wayne counties. Drop-off locations are Faith Fellowship Cumberland Presbyterian Church on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m., Columbia Farms Supply during normal business hours, Betty's Parkway Restaurant during normal business hours, Online donations can be made at Meredith's Toy Box on the Special Events tab at www.kpcac.org. For all items that need to be shipped, you can mail them to 614 West Point Road in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. The toy drive is in memory of Meredith Campbell Bybee. Join Murray Alliance upstairs at Puckett's in downtown Columbia on Wednesday, June 7th at 8 a.m. for breakfast with Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt, sponsored by Caledonian Financial. This is part of an ongoing Breakfast with the Mayor series. During this event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead an informative question and answer discussion with Mayor Butt about the current state of Murray County. To submit a question or topic in advance, you can email them to nperry, that's n-p-e-r-r-y at murrayalliance.com. Tickets are $20 for members and include breakfast. For more information, visit www.murrayalliance.com. Santa Fe School in rural Murray County will be celebrating their 100th birthday this year on Saturday, May 20th from 2 to 5 p.m. A parade of classes through the years will start at 2 o'clock p.m. and come through Santa Fe, down Fly Road, and by the school. Organizers are expecting many former alumni to participate. Everyone is invited to come watch the parade and join in on the fun afterwards. The event is free. There will be bounce houses, cupcakes, food trucks, guest speakers, and school tours. Once the event is over at 5 o'clock, everyone who would like can make their way to the gym for the Santa Fe alumni basketball game starting at 5.30. The cost of the alumni game will be $5. I went to Santa Fe school, K-12 through grade, and I'm so excited to be back teaching here. All of my family went to Santa Fe school, my parents, grandparents, me, and now my own children, said teacher Rachel Kennedy. There really is something special about this town and this school. I feel that the school is what holds this community together. There's something we say, once a wildcat, always a wildcat. And that is so true. If you ever attend a basketball game, you will certainly see that. We bleed black and gold here, she said. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Neil Fraser Blair, 90, a retired accountant with DuPont Spontax, died Saturday at St. Thomas West Hospital in Nashville. Funeral services for Mr. Blair will be conducted on Wednesday at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow at Polk Memorial Gardens. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer. 
and why Matt and Susie Sowell believe the way to honor tradition is with especially personal service. We believe your traditions, your customs, your rites of passage are very important, but we also believe in taking care of your personal wishes as well. At Oaks and Nichols, we try to do more than just the expected things, so the service you receive honors your heritage and is uniquely yours, and we invite you to experience the difference. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia, since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have a mix of cloudy skies early, followed by some sunshine in the afternoon. The high will reach 79 degrees today, with winds out of the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect clear skies and a low of 57 degrees. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Three, two, one. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard. The same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg. We do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. 
right, Coach, baseball is back, and WKRM 103.7 is excited to bring you coverage and sponsorship options for this 2023 season. That's right, Taff, and this year our advertising partners had the option to sponsor our live Little League coverage, Atlanta Braves coverage, or a combo package that carry both of them. This area loves baseball, and what a great way to support the community by helping us bring coverage of our Little League, but also taking a moment to promote local businesses. People are crazy about the Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's something special and timeless about baseball radio broadcast. There sure is. So visit Front Porch Radio TN and click on the blue Advertise With Us button for more information about how your company can sponsor baseball of all kinds this season with WKRM. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Tennessee Department of Transportation, TDOT, and Keep Tennessee Beautiful released data from its 2022 Tennessee Statewide Litter Study. Engineering firm Burns and McDonald conducted the study to provide a comprehensive understanding of quantity, composition, and sources of litter along the state's public roadways. The 2022 study is a follow-up from studies conducted in 2016 and 2006, building on TDOT's data-driven research that offers insights for abatement strategies and resource allocation. In addition to providing a detailed comparison to the 2016 study, the current research leverages results from the 2020 Keep America Beautiful Nationwide Litter Study to identify how litter has changed over time, determine the relationship between roadside litter and site characteristics, and assess the impact of nearby infrastructure and socioeconomic factors. The 2022 study is one of several research products that help TDOT evaluate progress on litter abatement and make the most effective use of future litter prevention and cleanup resources, said TDOT Transportation Supervisor Denise Baker. Overall, we learned that in the past six years, there's been a 12% reduction of litter on Tennessee's roadways. While encouraging, there are still more than 88 million pieces of litter on public roads at any given time, she said. The study's methodology included the random selection of 120 roadway locations split equitably among the following four roadway classifications in both urban and rural areas of Tennessee, interstate, U.S. highway, state highway, and local roads. The sampling plan included designated litter hotspots in the cities of Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga, as well as at-risk and distressed locations. The key findings include 88.5 million pieces of litter exist on Tennessee roadsides at any given time, down from 100 million in 2016. U.S. highways had the lowest litter per mile, 7,386 litter items per mile. However, local roads account for the most road miles, 82,538 miles in the state. In aggregate, local roads had the highest percentage, about 80% of total litter items by roadway type. Most of the litter on Tennessee's roadways is smaller than 4 inches, an estimated 679.7 million pieces, or 88%, items of litter were 4 inches or smaller in size. However, there is still a significant quantity, 88.5 million pieces, or 12% of larger and often more visible litter on Tennessee roadways. Intentional litter increased by about 18%, due in part to changes in product packaging and classification differences between the 2016 study and the 2022 study. 
The number of cigarette butts observed per site decreased for interstate and U.S. highway roadway classifications. Plastic and paper item compose most litter items. Motorists were determined to be the leading source of litter on Tennessee roadways. To review the full report, including methodology, litter prevalence and composition, litter heat map, key findings, and litter abatement strategies, visit www.nobodytrashestennessee.com. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Loretta Lynn's family and estate will release a new book she completed just before her passing, A Song and a Prayer, on May 23rd from Worthy Books. Her final offering is a collection of prayers combined with song lyrics inspired by her songwriting sessions with fellow hit songwriter and co-author, ordained minister Dr. Kim McLean. My writing sessions with Loretta were inspired by our friendship and faith, said Kim. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM, WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.